Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to yet another episode of Spin Magazine Presents Lip Service. I'm excited to do another in-person interview today. It's going to be a great feeling. My next guests have an interesting name. They are the Grammy-nominated The Record Company. I'll be welcoming to the show Chris, Alex, and Mark. The music is a combination of blues mixed with alternative rock, soul. Great combo. Great guys. I think you'll really enjoy this. Stay tuned in just a moment. The Record Company. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Welcome back to yet another episode of Spin Magazine Presents Lip Service. I'm joined today by the Grammy-nominated The Record Company. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey. Chris, Alex, Mark. Uh, so, great to see you guys. Actually, we, this is probably the second interview I'm doing you know, in person, which is awesome, because you know during COVID, everything was over Zoom. And I don't right. know if you guys ended up doing a lot of Zoom interviews, but not the we most did. personal. So, this is great. We get to hang out in the parking lot for a few minutes before this. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks um, for having us. Yeah, and, and thanks for being here. How are you guys feeling with everything going on? I know you got a tour coming up. You just have a record coming out soon. Are you feeling good about going on tour now with the Delta variant going on? I'm like, I was going to have a birthday party next week. I'm like, no birthday party. I don't know what to do here. It's such a crazy world we're living mm-hmm. in. How are you guys feeling about everything? I know you announced a bunch of what, like 32 tour dates coming up. Yep. Yeah. So, how you feeling with everything going on in the world right now? I mean, I think you just got to kind of let it. You know, you just it, we take every precaution. We believe in all that. Um, you know, we're vaccinated. We do all that stuff. Mask up when we got in and all that stuff. Uh, you just, I think it's just uh, live in the present and hope for the best. You know, you worry yourself to death. Otherwise, I think uh, worrying about it. You know, so we're gonna go out and rock yeah. until further notice. We're rocking. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Where were you guys when this whole thing started like a year and a half ago? Or so were you on the road? Were you at home? Were you making this record? Uh, we had just finished. We did a New Year's show in Philly. Okay. Where Al's from. And then, uh, yeah, we had planned like a whole year of shows and stuff. Start working on a new record. And then, I think, what was it like? February, end of February, March that year. And they're like, nope. You know, and I think it was, what was it like? Maybe... Was Coachella the first thing, or uh, South by Southwest? Yeah, yeah. It was like the first thing to cancel. You started getting all the news alerts, and you're like, and "Is this like, really oh, happening?" Man, this is real. You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, before you knew it, we're just home. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Zoom wasn't even really a thing <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I feel like I wanted yeah. to own Zoom stock as of now. I don't sure, know why. I never just yeah. cleaned them out totally. <laughs> Well, take me back to the beginning because you guys have an incredible sound, part bluesy, part rock and roll. We're talking about our influences outside from Van Halen to punk rock to country and, 
you know, everything from the Stooges to the Kinks to whoever it may be, right? But take me back to the beginning. Actually, I think, Chris, you were actually born in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, uh, I was born in uh, on a dairy farm. Uh, well, I wasn't born on a dairy farm. Right. I was born, born in a hospital, but I was raised on a dairy farm. And uh, uh, my dad and my brother's both still there. So Amazing. Uh, and uh, I was a big part of who I am and uh, taught me everything I know about work and uh, honesty and kindness uh, to... to human and animal alike you know so uh uh that's that's where i come from i imagine like wisconsin is not a hotbed of rock and roll right so when you grow up in wisconsin were you exposed to music a lot obviously you're on a farm you said your dad had a farm and whatnot so what was it like growing up there how did you you know get into the stooges and the kinks and were your parents really musically inclined um yes uh my grandpa don was a singer and he loved to sing so he sang johnny cash willie nelson songs my dad was a rock and roller he loved you know the boss he loved credence he loved he had a old doobie brothers best of the doobie brothers cassette he would play all the time nice uh, he was a big fan of alex could go on and on about uh genesis my <laughs> right, dad yeah. loved genesis we and, talked about genesis yesterday on the show peter and, gabriel or phil collins genesis uh my dad was a phil collins guy okay, all the way okay. uh, he wasn't you know he's out there plowing fields and he had a cassette <laughs> recorder in the <laughs> right. thing so he had like a little thing of cassettes and uh, that's where my I, I have a deep love of cassettes. We actually are releasing the record on a cassette Amazing, as well. Yeah. But uh, he he uh, would put those in, and it was just that cycle through those ten. I think there was there was actually a bread record in there too, but <laughs> he never played that one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? But he wasn't into the Stooges and some of no, that. No, I stuff, found right? out so, about that all later on my own. Yeah. you know, it's just how you do it. You know, yeah. you, as I went to high, then you know, I started off in a my grade school. There were four kids in my class. You know, and I I always pined and long i knew something was out there then about seventh grade a kid showed up with a metallica um uh, metal up your ass shirt (laughs) and uh that uh that kid upset the balance of everything and i just remember being like i need to find out everything i can about whatever it is this guy's tapped into so uh just started listening to a lot of uh blues metal and then eventually found ramones stooges uh, yeah, I was just Mark and I were just listening to the Saints. I'm stranded record coming yeah, down here. Yeah, still love all that stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah that's kind of how it happened. Just naturally, just curiosity. Awesome. And Alex and Mark, you guys both grew up in LA, right? Uh, no, actually, I'm from the Philadelphia area. Oh, you are okay. Mark's from upstate New York. Okay, but you moved. Yeah. You all moved out here. I don't know when. When was it that you guys moved out to LA? Like for me, it was late uh, 1998. Okay. Um, we went to the same college together, so we were we were in like the college bands playing covers, you know, where you have to stretch the shows out for four hours, and uh, we did all that. Mark was playing keyboards at the time; oh, I was wow. playing guitar. Um, but we shared a lot of influences. You were more of a metal guy, Mark. Um, Growing up, yeah, I, I was a I was a, a guitar player, so I was listening to Clapton and Hendrix and sure. Zeppelin. Those were kind of my favorites. And then you get into like jam bands in the '90s, so kind of do that a little bit and um but yeah after school i moved out here and uh kind of have done a whirlwind of things and in the la area but yeah i've been out here for a while and it's a great story how you guys actually met uh, you know via craigslist i mean aside from murderers i mean i don't think people meet (laughs) on craigslist anymore so how did that happen because ultimately like that's not i mean you hear that you know guns and roses met through the recycler and it happens but it's not like a very common thing these days so what did the ad say first of all well uh it's funny you mentioned the gnr through the recycler thing because that story always stuck with me as a kid and uh i I just thought about the how crazy that was that that band could form that way and um when i moved out here the hardest part was uh my wife got a job at the la times and i was like i had been playing in bands for years uh just kind of grinding it out in the you know milwaukee midwest chicago uh scene and uh i got out here and i just needed to 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 get to find people and uh she was like put something up on craigslist i'm like craigslist i'm not doing that man that's no maybe you know, for a she, used mattress yeah but, right uh, <laughs> you know, she she was right uh, i put up an ad it was terrible uh i was you know i, I didn't want to do it so i probably put it like i liked it you know this is what i like blah blah, blah. and then she saw it uh i was actually i was playing pedal steel in another group doing backup vocals getting any gig i could really yeah, yeah. and um Alex saw the ad that my wife rewrote without my knowledge, and she made me sound, I say it's lovingly fraudulent, you know, she made me sound way cooler than I am now, or ever have been, and uh, got Alex's attention. I think 
Alex, you were kind of at the you were kind of well, at the crossroads, weren't you? You were kind of done. Very yeah. strange that I was on Craigslist. I was going to say, what were you doing? Section. Looking at, yeah, what were you doing? And like that stemmed from um, me and Mark had an old band called The Frequency, and okay. it was sort of at the end of its road. Like when you're a band for six or seven years and you're doing a show in LA and it's like, you still can't get your friends to not yep. watch Seinfeld for a night. And like, yeah. you, you not drawing more than 20 people. You're sort of petering out. And that's about where we were. And I just always remember, um, having a, the hardest time finding bass players, mm. um, that weren't in 10 other bands already and that, that, yeah. that were good. And I was always playing the bass on our recordings. And I just had this moment. I'm like, I'm either going to give up music or, Maybe I I can be a bass player and maybe okay. find some new opportunities there. So I just happened like in all this frustration of uh, maybe considering leaving the whole thing behind me, looked for the word bass keyword on uh, yep. Craigslist and churned out a Craigslist miracle and ended up, I, I answered Chris's ad because it looked really interesting, but <laughs> I got to talking to him on the phone. I just remember being like, this guy's just a really easygoing, cool guy. Like I don't usually like talk to like guys on the phone and kind of have a rapport. And I just remember a few days later, I, I don't know if I was interested so much in musically what he was offering, but I was like, maybe I'll have this dude over to play some records and have some beers. And like, no, you called me. So like, odd. I think and, I made yeah. a new dude friend. I'm yeah. Like, That's weird. <laughs> and now knowing so, he was the worst. Like, yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer never entered your mind <laughs> yeah. at that point. No, I'm from, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I've spent a lot of time in Milwaukee. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> even more so, but yeah, I, now that I know, Alex and I and Mark were all like brothers at this point, but um, I'd say we are, you know, but uh, all we've been through together. But uh, knowing Alex as well as I do now and Mark, this is a very strange thing to yeah. happen. And I actually, when I tell this part of the story, it almost seems like I'm full of it, but I'm not. I was so frustrated. I'd been in LA for almost a year and a half. I actually. And I was just like, I need something. I, I was sitting on my couch either that night or very close to it. And I was just like, I need something. Valerie, I'm in trouble. That Valerie's my wife. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I can't find a window in. It's just impossible. You know, I'm going to be a side playing on the side and I want to be a singer in a band, you know? And then Alex called me and was like, Hey man, I'm hanging, going to be playing some records. You want to bring down a couple beers, hang out, you know? And I'm like, cool. And we did, and we hit it off right away, uh, and uh, bonded over the records. It's like every record he had, I would pull out something, he would pull out something, and then we sang a little bit, um, and that just planted the seeds for you know. We didn't form the band though for like another year. Uh, I had to I had to coax these guys out of their hiding places. <laughs> but I, I found got it them. fascinating though that you guys listened to records and hung out before you played, right? Yes, because ultimately yeah. you could have played together and be like. Right, this guy's not very good. Like, I don't know if I want to be in a band with him. Like, what <laughs> did that ever cross your mind? Maybe play sometime sooner to make sure there was chemistry between you guys, right? I didn't really look at it like a build up to the Plan. jam right. thing. Okay. It was more like, I mean, I was playing in, in with some other people playing drums finally. Yeah. Because I had been playing keys forever, but I grew up playing drums and I just wanted to kind of like Al's, like, I want to play bass. I was like, well, nothing's ever going to happen. So I might as well have fun. You know what I mean? And um, <clears throat> got Chris to play on a couple pedal steel on a couple things. Yeah. He had a band at the time. So yeah. got Al to play in that band and play bass. And that's sort of like, so we, there was never like, okay, next Thursday we're going to play finally. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of like, no, we have like a new friend and his wife's cool. Yeah. And you know, I always tell this story because when I grew up in LA and I was in this band that was part of like adjacent to the Guns N' Roses scene, we used to like, actually call guys from ads and be like, what do you look like? And the last thing we asked was, are you a good player? It was yeah. like, yeah. like, well, you know, I have tattoos and black hair and I'm skinny. I'm like, all right, well, come on down. Yeah, so if they good. ever, I didn't even ask them if they were like a good guitar player. And it was just like, <laughs> do you look the part, right? So it's interesting that you guys waited about a year to play together. So obviously what were you listening to them? Was it Howling Wolf? Like yes. what were the records that you guys were listening to that bonded you guys? I remember the breaking the, uh, Alex had just gotten this big pile of records from uh somebody he knew and they were all blues records and these guys like growing up like listening to you know the dead alex got a dead collection that like just this tall of of uh vinyl dead and i remember i was like i pulled out muddy waters lab at newport 1960 and i i was like have you ever heard this and he's like never put it on and he had just gotten it so i, I remember the feeling of I, I took it out and i had never heard it on vinyl i'd only ever heard i'm a huge muddy waters guy 
and I, I put it on the stylus and, and I actually watched the paper like, go, you know, I was like, holy shit, this thing's never been played. Yeah. And, um, we listened to that and we, we just both looked at each other like, ah, you know, and, uh, I don't know. What, what do you think, Al? You're, it's your collection. You've got the, the big thing. Uh, you were, you were always, these guys guided me to the dead, by the way. That was, I had never really dug into the dead. So Same, like yeah. we all got each other into stuff again, you know, and then found weird commonalities like, oh, I love Genesis. I love, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh. so Al, by the way, is wearing the Eddie Van Halen t-shirt. We should know. Yes. So, all right. Yeah. So Self, he made it himself. <laughs> yeah, Self, we, we can I get into that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we just all have eclectic tastes. I mean, I think at that time, I mean, I was listening to a lot of like LCD sound system, um, things yeah. like that. But, you know, I, I've got all your Beatles. I have the, everything's like parsed out into genres, you know, all over places of the house, uh, blues section, a punk section. Uh, I didn't get into punk till much later. It's probably because of hanging with Chris. You know, we, we were all sort of like uh, infiltrate each other's uh, things that we like to listen to. And uh, that's that's kind of part of who we are, you know, and, when we started, like the the night of all of it happening was we were hanging out on my patio drinking and uh, I put like, you know, you got the, the windows open. I put a, one speaker in the window and uh, we put on this canned heat and John Lee Hooker record. And uh, I just remember Mark, like give Hooker all the credit to him. He's uh, he just goes, why don't we try this? Like <laughs> hang up a mic in your living room and just like see what happens. And well, like uh, all of us went, the, you know, okay, let's try that. The extended part of that, which I, I think we are close enough now that I can throw in, is because that night, you guys were playing at the Viper Room. Right. I went to the gig, mm -hmm. and on the way home, I was like, "They're better than that." Yeah. <laughs> which kinda, band was this at the Viper something. Room? It was a band I was in at the time that um, was just like a couple of I did had a, a buddy playing drums and just uh, a rotating cast of bass players. And I, I, I actually hired Alex with the intention of uh, somehow talking him into being a bass player for me. And uh, yeah, we had that very frank conversation. I remember my, my feelings at first were a little fragile. It was like, Alex was like, I think he actually said it. He was like, I'm like all celebratory in my heart. I'm like, yes, I'm finally getting these guys. And Alex was like, man, I think we can do better than this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. You know, and this is, it was a, a momentary, it, th this is what runs our band though, is we're honest yeah. with each yeah. other and respectful with each other. And uh, I said, so what do you propose? And that was like, I think right around that instant is where that, that music is, is, is just in the air. And they're like, how about something like that? And I'm like, not like we were thinking about being like John Lee Hooker, but being inspired because you can't be, like John Lee, of course. Man, come on, you know. But you can be inspired by it, and we're like that. Really set something because we're go. This is what we're gonna do. So I pulled this old silver tone out that had, you know, had been. I my buddy literally fished it out of the trash. The the the, the, the pickups were like punched in. It couldn't stay in tune, and I just I was like, this guitar will make me not play like a wanker. You know, I'll play. <laughs> I can only play. I can only bend the notes so far. Right. And I knew that if I came in there and like got all my little chops together that these guys would be like, eh. So I was just like, I'm going to just be raw and I'm going to sing low and subtle. And it worked, you know. We heard it. That was 10 years ago this November. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, There's been this movement, obviously, in music with the Black Keys, the White Stripes, the minimalist kind of bluesy approach stripped down to rock and roll. So did that have sort of a – you know, was that part of your mindset when you started? Like, did you like what was going on in that scene? It's almost its own scene, right? You got the Nashville scene yeah. with the Black Keys and obviously actually Jack White's out there too. So that whole scene, was that kind of something that you guys really took to? I, I mean, I would say in a way, no, not really. Hmm. Um, I mean, obviously like you had seen the Black Keys. At, I, uh, I was a huge Coachella. fan of both those bands. You guys were, I think, less of like familiar because I, I grew up, in Wisconsin and keys are from Akron. Right. And I remember the white stripes coming through town. Um, and my buddy's like, you gotta go see these guys. And they played some club and like 12 people were there and I didn't go. And it's like, you know, so I love, I, I loved, uh, the early records of those bands, but I was, I'd kind of moved away from all that. I was like, now I was into this whole thing of listening to, I had this weird thing where I'm like, for one year, I'm not listening to any record that wasn't made. 
after 1974. I just want to hear the purest, right. you know, so, but I don't know. You guys were in a whole different scene. Like, I, I don't even think you had really listened to them at all. You, you were either of them, really. You would listen to the White Stripes, but the keys, you were like, I don't really listen to that. And, but we, I do want to say before he goes to him, those cats blazed a trail that opened up exactly. possibilities. So massive respect to them. Yeah. Anybody who plays a guitar is a friend of mine. You know, and I love all kinds of music, electronic and everything, but anybody who keeps rock and roll alive, they busted the doors open. You know? Just to be clear, you like drummers too, right? I like drummers. <laughs> so no, um, I, I was familiar <laughs> with them for sure. Um, I had like this roommate years ago who would give me like, it was when the iPod had just kind of hit and yeah. uh, shuffle play was like the newest thing everyone was excited about. But he gave me um, some of his new music um, that he was listening to and on there it was like archaic. Arcade Fire, The Black Keys. Um, I'm trying to think of, of other bands, but I, I loved it immediately. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's freaking cool music. Uh, so yeah, I, I was can't say I was not aware of those bands. Right. They're, yeah. they're amazing bands. Yeah. You know? Well, the thing but, I love it's more about the emotion, right? It's 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 you know the minimalist approach to music. So it's not about the shredding Ada Van Halen approach to music. Yeah. It's about how few notes can you play and achieve this incredibly big sound. I mean, I love, I don't know if you guys know um, Royal Blood from the UK, but oh, yeah, one of my great. favorite bands, and I know that your music is sort of based on sort of the bass lines, right? Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, because I saw Royal Blood playing, I'm like, where's the guitar player? Wait, there isn't a guitar player. Right. So it's incredible to me that they created such a huge sound. So, And I love the fact that your music stems from these bass lines, right? So again, that's sort of an innovative approach to what you're doing, right? When you started writing songs, how did the process go? Because you started in your living room. The truth is it happened very quickly for you guys and uh, I'm sure we were, we were talked a little bit about this outside but mm -hmm. people used to send tapes out and like hey check out my band and no one responds right and for you guys it kind of happened in like a year and a half it happened real fast, real fast but yeah. we had all you, the thing that has to be we had all failed right. before <laughs> that like big yeah. time like everyone though yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. I'm not ashamed yeah. of it I'm just saying it like the education that was the preparation to the to that in that education we brought together created a vision where we didn't right out of the way it wasn't like what are we going to sound like what are we going to do it, it's like we're going to sit here we're going to record some songs we're going to make good songs we're going to sound like this we're going to put these parameters around us you know and uh well, they know. say what ten thousand yeah. hours is what you need to yeah. put in the work uh, before you actually start to see right. it come to and fruition so to your question too it wasn't like okay so now we've got a few songs we're working on what do we want them to sound like? Like, do we want to sound like Black Keys, White Stripes? We never had that. We just yeah, wanted, no. we just went with the gear that we had, which is an old ass computer. I didn't even have a drum set. He found one on a garage sale, a free piano from like a church giveaway. Like he bought his- It's a Craigslist piano. Yeah, yeah it's like, like right down the street. Yeah, just yeah, someone get pile of it. Garbage. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's what the stuff sounded like when we played it. So. We don't know how to shred. Yeah, you know, I mean, I literally hadn't played drums for ten years live, or even more. You know, yeah. so we're not going to have the drum solo part because right, right. I don't know how to do yeah. it. Yeah, but Chris, you were saying yeah. if there was like a sticker that you could have put on the record in the beginning, it would have been like hundred dollar drum set. Oh yeah, shitty no. computer. Well, whatever, that was right? an email <laughs> we sent out. Alex yeah. wrote that. I think Al, you should probably handle this one because a you write the bass lines, which we decided right off the bat. I'll pitch it over here to my to my man on this one. We knew that guitar, we were like, guitar has been done and done and done, and we, we value it, but it was like, let's build it from the, the rhythm section first. Yeah. So you can go from there, Al. The bass lines and the email, I think, is what well, the, we've got so where, the By the way, where did this email go? I mean, everywhere. I, <laughs> I turned, like, if, if we weren't writing at my house, like, it was basically like, come to my house at 1230 and let's see what happens and record some stuff. And, you know, and we just kind of did that every day. And the days we weren't doing that, I ninja emailed when, when i say that i mean like how do you find out who's the guy his direct email at you know stereo gum or brooklyn vegan or right, you know right. you, and you, i just started writing like 500 people and and i would from like 9 a.m to 4 p.m and with the hopes that maybe five people would get back to me and uh i called wrote some people at radio stations and lo and behold like nick harcourt and this uh and bruce warren in philadelphia but nick out here they picked up the email. The email was like, you know, we, we play kind of, uh, we're inspired by John Lee Hooker and we record using our crappiest instruments. Like something, it was something like that yeah. as the start of the email. And I just had a link, <laughs> probably SoundCloud link at the time um, 
to a couple of tracks and they played them on the radio. So it, it was, for that, that was a huge confidence yeah. builder for us that we had spent a few months really trying to, you know, hone a sound and, and then, and craft these songs, but then seeing them get on the, on the air, um, out of just a cold email made us go, wow, like maybe there's a, a, a something here. You, you feel like a band. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it was really instrumental in, in building confidence to, to have us keep going and, and, keep making more songs you still have a copy of that email and the first uh craigslist i think, I I think we still he still sends uh, it all i have to do is type the word crappiest in my search and i'm sure you'll see you'll see like a thousand emails that i sent out and it was always like info at yeah you just try yeah. things till one doesn't get bounced yeah, yeah. back and you're like ooh. but you know there's a guy I mean. named bob so try bob at yeah. this and sometimes bob it w. lands sometimes it bounces back to you but it's yeah. funny that when i first started the show i actually too i would email all these you know brooklyn Bing and to whoever and and it works you know if you there's something quality there and people take to it it's just it's because it, it's meant to be right because mm. there's so many bands and if the hustle isn't there it just doesn't happen anymore right so i think you know the marketing of a band is as important these days as the talent right mm -hmm. and let's talk about that a little bit i feel like you guys all contribute one guy does the art direction you do the production right everyone like contributes in this band so yeah. how does it work right the first album the first album you worked on in your living room talk about that process and how it came to me and how everyone sort of played a, a huge role like everyone had their it was sort of like you guys were like your own record company which actually might be the, how the name of the band yes. came about i don't know but uh well i think like so we were um you know doing some like regional shows maybe pretty much our, our whole ethos was there's no reason to tour if nobody has any idea who you are right. and we, you learn that the hard way in a van and so we were just like playing anywhere we could around la house parties and residencies here and there and just kind of like learning how to be a band and um I, we got one tour with the wigs uh, if you know that band sure. out of uh, georgia yeah. um so that was sort of like west coast and then um we got a tour with brian setzer and we were like oh shit this is because now we're in big theaters yeah. and you know all this yeah. stuff around the country so we had put together those songs and we recorded them and you know we're doing this tour and um you know previously we we're like up in seattle and chris parks the van and alex runs up to sub pop and just like gives a demo to the, you know like get out of here, get out of here. For, for the record i was the one that ran, really i ran up, up to yeah, sub pop yeah. i like broke through the door and i'm like listen to this and i ran out the door they and never, did they tell you to get out or were they like oh check he this left out. Before oh they, they, they definitely didn't listen to <laughs> i had a gig to play i didn't want to get arrested right. yeah probably but made the gig time, better if i would got arrested yeah. yeah but around this time um i we had known the people at Concord for a while because I had done some projects there over the years and stuff. And I was sending them stuff. I come, you know, check out the band. And it had been a couple years. And they came to one show in uh, Detroit at the Fox Theater, which is a beautiful yeah. 5,000 seat venue. And we we were doing great on that tour. And we would go out and like at the changeover or when we were done and like sell our, you know, we had to yeah. sign our CDs and stuff like that. Is that and the one in the casino? It's not. That's, okay. Uh, I thought I, all right. Um, but, and there was just a huge ass line of people and happened that a few people from Concord came that night and they were there. And I guess maybe seeing that helped yeah, and everything. Course. So they're like, Hey, let's do we're this. At the Fox let's, in Detroit. At the Fox. Yeah. And they're like, let's, we want to sign you to a deal and all this. So we're like, okay. And, but we already had, like I said, we had the music done and we thought, oh shit, well, we're going to have to like go in a studio and re-record this. And they're like, this is fine like everything alex did sounds great and we're like really um but make was the, it recording make, a, it make was the kick drum on track three a little that more was like punchier. the only note yeah, yeah. It was like, <laughs> like, but it was recording your living room wasn't it yeah and yeah. i mean we were it was janky i mean i totally. i'm basically like hitting um three is on pro tools how you like hit record <laughs> right. and i'm running out with headphones into my hallway stretching this cord yeah, out cord and playing the whole so take like, like this with yeah. um Mark and Chris in my living room, he's on the drums and like really live, like lots of bleed, yeah. um, you know, and we refined that process a little bit where we would, uh, you know, maybe move a guitar amp to like my bedroom. So it would get a little bit more separation, but color cover it, it in pillows. It really is that has that like honest jank to it. And uh, yeah, when, when Concord came on board, they just, they didn't change they, anything, yeah. uh, which was, was and pretty cool. Same with yeah. art too. Like I, 
I had dabbled in all the bands we've been in because I'm like, I'm not going to pay somebody to make a stupid show flyer. Like, yeah, yeah, I can figure that out, you know. Yeah. And so we had like the some cover ideas and photos. So I would just like make a bunch, make a little hidden link, send it to these guys. They're like, oh yeah, I like two, four, and seven, whatever. And we turned that in. And uh, again, Conqueror was like, this is cool. We love it. Yeah. And so it was a completely homemade thing from the ground up and you know as far as our process we're like chris said we're very open with each other so it's kind of like you know we give each other options and then wherever we kind of collectively land on seems to be like okay that's let's go with that for the cover for a mix for lyric you know whatever it is we seem to be pretty good at landing somewhere that's good and was everything recorded live even from the get-go until now when you guys do the albums is everything recorded live would you say, or do you, is there a different process to the way you record now? I'd oh. say the uh, the beds are live. So even from the first record to the new record, um, we're tracking uh, drums, bass, guitar live, and uh, that's kind of gives it that thing where you still feel the connection of, of who we are, you know. And then you add. It used to be cut it really live, and then you add. Cla- if you're at the stage where you're adding hand claps, right. th- like you're we good. could, if we had the song <laughs> written, we could record it in an afternoon and a yeah. couple hours. But yeah. writing the song is kind of what what takes the time, you know. But um, and that carries though with with this new record. It's like yeah, the the basics are there, the nuts and bolts, uh, and uh, that rhythm that we just have together as a unit yeah we did all the drums and bass i think in two days or yes or three days on yeah the it, was album. Like, it was just kind of like go you know it's yeah. awesome so about a year and a half into this whole process you find you guys open up you're opening for john mayer at uh msg a year and a half after you become a band what was that like it, had to be uh, it was actually right? a year and a half after we got signed after you got signed okay. we had been a band we we went and played like the you know like we said we 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 I mean we had a uh, gig in, in in town here the infamous uh, vegetable garden gig where we had we were up against like it was like a farmer's market we were in the corner <laughs> and the, we were next to this pile of tomatoes and the tomatoes were winning the gig you know they weren't getting more produce. interest than the band wasn't so, what you had in mind when you got no <laughs> but you know that's the kind of stuff you got to do when you're yeah, a band so yeah. we did that 2012 2013 2014 2015. 2014, 2015 is where Concord saw us. We got signed in 2015. Record came out in 2016. So 2017, that's when we were in. So we put the album out. It hit the airwaves, off the ground, went up the charts. And then uh, I met John um, uh, when he was playing with Dead & Company. We hung out with him and Bobby and all those guys after their set in uh, Boston. And uh, not because we were cool. We had an in that wasn't like they were waiting to hang, you know? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) we were freaked out and just trying to get in there. And then um, uh, are the guy who books John is his net Scott. Scott's a books us. And he's just introduced me. And the first thing I said to John was, Hey man, I I just figured the best way to go at it was to just ask him some guitar question to get the conversation started. And I was just like, Hey man, uh, those pickups that you're using, uh, they coil tapped, you know, which means it's just dorky guitar stuff, but yeah. it means you can push and pull the, the the little volume on your guitar and it turns it from a, a humbucker that looks like a Les Paul to a, a, a single coil, which is like a Strat or a Telecaster. And he goes, yes, it was. And we started talking. By the end of the conversation, he gave me the pick from the gig. And then he said, I'm going to listen to your band. And I, I promise I will. He did. And then like a week later, two weeks later, we got the call that there was interest to take us on his tour. And then we got booked. And then we were playing The Garden, which was, that was insane. Got to be a milestone. Yeah, right? that Incredible. was, I walked to the gig um, from the hotel and I carried my guitar. I'll never forget The Garden just was a little in the distance and it getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, I'm just walking in the door. And I just walked through the door, put it through the security, walked my guitar on stage, put it on stage. I'm like, this is crazy, yeah. especially because any any band will tell you playing in New York is always stressful. As yeah. Well. yeah, like you know, I mean, you can't park anywhere. Yeah. You're just if it's winter, there's snow piles everywhere. It's just chaotic. Those and puddles you step in the puddle, the puddle around your shoes. I'm a New Yorker, so you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm from New York, so yeah. the garden is you know Chuck is, Taylor is killers those puddles. Yeah. That's that, where you want to play for sure. Yeah. And I'm a up, grew up upstate New York, so you know, going to the city my whole life and everything and. That was just, yeah, it was one of those, you're like trying to find 
old friends. You're like, come to my gig tonight. Because normally it's like, you're at the Mercury Lounge. Yeah, and yeah. Nobody wants to go to that. And you're like, I'm at the garden tonight. Maybe yeah. you want to come check yeah. it out. You know? <laughs> and there's another milestone. We talked a little bit outside, but the great story about how Ringo Starr uh, accidentally sort of came to see you play, which is incredible, right? Yeah. Uh, that was just some more of that. I, I think what I like to say is that we rescued each other from the precipice of the death of our dreams. <laughs> you know, we were right there. Yeah. Like these guys were had been in LA for years. They were done. It's just a miracle we met each other. And I just happened to come in with, I thought it was all over for me. I was in Wisconsin and I'm like, this is done. I'm not going to make it. I mean, I'm, I, I got to do something else. Um, and make it to me is make a living. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to make a living. And, uh, so the point of the matter is, is that we get booked this gig, the Viper Room. Long story short, we're opening for James McCartney, which is Paul's son. And uh, my buddy who booked the Viper Room at the time, um, he, Tom Hoppe, he he booked us there. And I, I was so like Wisconsin, like Midwest guy. Like, you know, I'm like, I had never been a celebrity or around celebrities. So I go right up there and I'm like, James McCartney's up there and I like pat him on the back and like, <laughs> I'm like, nice boots, dude. And he's like, ah, you know, he was like, oh, hey, all right, buddy. All right. No, he was cool. You know, but I just took him off guard. I mean, probably nobody's ever done that to him in life. And so we're playing. And then about halfway through our show um, at the Viper Room, there's this little row of, of seats. And so you're on the stage in a corner, like my corner here, you're facing out. And right to my left, all of a sudden is Ringo and, and, and Walsh. Joe Walsh are Amazing. there and uh, he gets up on the back of the, the seat. So if you were a picture, if you were at a Denny's and you sat, you put your, your ass where your, your, your head's supposed to be and your feet where your ass supposed to be. That's what he did. So he's now he's up there. That's when I first saw him. I'm yeah. Like, and I was oh. like, Oh crap. <laughs> now we had a rig, we had a good gig. It was a great gig and it was cold, you know, and got the crowd going. And, um, and when I come off, there's a curtain and he gave me the peace sign and he like kind of pointed, and I'm like, holy smokes. Fast forward later, I find myself standing next to him. And we had our, our in our seat, we had the VIP uh, area was the, uh, the little table. And he was still sitting up there. So I tapped him on the shoulder. And he turned around and he saw me. And I said, Ringo, I was the singer in the opening group. And he grabbed my hand and pulled me up and he put his head like next because we're in a rock club it was loud he's like oh that was great tallahassee we closed with uh, freddie cannon's tallahassee mm -hmm. lassie which i had picked up on from the flaming groovies you know really great version of that um and he's like oh i love love that great he's like we joe and i went out and we were talking about it. he's like you guys were great keep going he's like don't give up we're proud of you and i was like he's they, he said we're proud of you i don't know why he said that but it, it like <laughs> my heart's like exploding on my chest because you have to understand we had just played that tomato gig probably right, three weeks earlier right. you know what i mean <laughs> so we went from tomatoes <laughs> tomatoes yeah. to ringo yeah. you know wasn't your mom in town my too, mom was in town she's, she's like, like <laughs> she was a beetle maniac so she's like i could hear his voice and i knew it was him <laughs> you know my ma turned into a teenager but that that gave us juice, man. Yeah. That like made us believe. We're like, man, you know. And I I'll, I'll say that some of the like we opened for Bob Seger, uh, John Mayer come right into our dressing room and and hung out with us. Bob Seger was so kind. His dog's name Seger. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a whole that. nother <laughs> thing we could go into. Yeah. We played the Forum here in L.A. Yeah. These people that um, I don't know if we've been fortunate or whatnot, but. They're sweethearts. Yeah. You know, and uh by the way, it makes you like them more when they're great people, right? Yeah. We talked about Steven to, Tyler he outside. You didn't have to yeah. do that. And actually we had a the guy who was booking at us at the time was a friend of ours. And so just a funny capper on the Ringo story is so I get done with this and the guy who's booking us is like, Hey, that's awesome. What do you say? I said, Well, you're booking us. Why don't you go get us a gig? So he taps him <laughs> oh, he and like Ringo looks down. <laughs> Ringo looks down at him and this guy's coming at him like, hey. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, Wherever you're going, lad, I'm not coming with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. That's amazing. Well, talk to me about the new record. I mean, the last year and a half has been crazy for everyone, and we're slowly trying to come out of it, and all these things are coming up. We spoke about the Delta there, and you guys go on a tour. But the new record, how high? How high is the new single? The new album is coming out, play loud, fairly soon, I think, in October, I believe, October, right? October, yeah. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about the new record. Was it all done in lockdown? Talk about the video, because the video is like a million people cannonballing in the swimming pool. It's one of these big uh, MTV videos from back in the day, reminiscent of 
the videos when I was growing up, right? When there was MTV. I don't know if there's still MTV these days. Who knows? I don't even know. But uh, <laughs> talk to me about how the video came about, the new record, and and obviously the tour. Let's get into that. And by the way, I'm really excited. You guys are going to play a few tunes. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about that too, but let's talk about the new record first. Sure. Al, why don't you? Well, you know, um, this being our third record, this was kind of the first time we had a lot of time to write. And because you're always... All right, we'll write for a couple of days, and now you got this run here of shows. Come back, and it gets it gets hard to kind of um, keep it all cohesive. And we knew we wanted to expand the sound, really. So we really we went in with the mindset of let's write as much as we can. Um, let's collaborate with people. We had never even done that. We never was anybody from the outside uh, had come in on either a producing level, an advice level, a songwriting level. Um, so we really said, let's try everything new this time around. Um, you know, we, we've, we've done the, my lit, we've, we've made my living room. We've done that. Yeah. So how do we, what, what do we do that kind of really flips it? Um, so that was really our thinking. And, you know, in the past we, we might write exactly 10 songs and go, okay, we like these. That's, there's the album. And this time we wrote a lot more than that. And, uh, you're drawing from a, a larger pot of material and you, um, you, I think you're gonna. You can yield something really special if you've really gone f far and past where you would normally go. So that was kind of a mindset for us. And you know, the thing that we were fortunate in is we we did make a lot of demos just exactly the way we used to, just in my house, and I would kind of mix them and record them. And um, we started having conversations with Dave Sardi, um, who's the guy that produced our record. Great I had, producer, by the way. Oh yeah, he's. Amazing. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, huge catalog of of giant yeah. bands yeah oasis i believe right oasis and yeah. he just did the new modest mouse yeah. um, CD sound system yeah. you know we, when the who did a record just a couple of years ago they tap him to do it so he's yeah. he's really got great small bands, uh, yeah. small bands. <laughs> huge discography <laughs> right. but you know for us like i was i produced basically the first two records it was just very home uh homemade and i said I don't want to do that anymore. I want to learn from somebody who has more experience. I want to see what someone else can do to the sound. And that was just for me on a personal level. Um, but all of us were feeling that as well. So when we met Dave for the first time, he's got this uh, really cool house in sort of the Beachwood Canyon area that's got a really nice studio. And just talking to him, talking to someone outside about our music, and um, he really just opened our minds up to what the possibilities of an album can be. And you can take it to so many places that you might not imagine. And we left the first time we met him, all of us were like, wait, can we make like this great rock record? Like, <laughs> you I didn't know up. we could do that. Like, yeah. I guess it, it, he just got us believing in ourselves. So that was kind of like a great introduction to, you know, talk about self-producing living room to now working with a guy like Dave Sardi, it's a, it is a big jump for but how us. How is the process different for you working with a guy like Dave now versus doing it in your living room? Strap I mean, a jet engine to yourself. You yeah. know, it's just like that's what Dave is. Yeah, he sit he sits on a tarmac with the potential energy of going six hundred miles an hour, and he's just sitting there. Maybe you're just like, and then you get in the room with him, and it's like, bam! You just he, whatever he's doing, it is a thousand percent on his mind. Mm. I'm sorry, Mark. What, do, what were you? Gonna well, I was say, just going to say, yeah. I mean that and also you know having done a ton just the three of us it was kind of like let's get our take we're happy with it cool um you know here's a suggestion maybe try this dave was like in the room he's yeah, like man ride there for two beats try this floor time you know just 20 different ways of the same idea composing and yeah and then and we just like I said, we just never had that. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. We didn't want that. We just didn't know that <laughs> right. it was a possibility, you know. And um, and the same with everything. So yeah, we were in a room playing live, but with sort of a maestro, you know, ideas. Like some of the tunes, they were pretty much together, but there are a few places where we were unsure or whatever. And having that kind of enthusiasm in the room with you, we're almost like writing the middle part of how high, for example, I don't know if we knew exactly what it was going to be. So we're just kind of like playing and just jam happen. And then we come back and he had assembled this idea and we're like, holy shit, like that's 
awesome, you know. And yeah. it was just something that happened because you've got a person in the room kind of allowing you, but guiding at the same time. So it was a it was a major difference, you know. Allowing and guiding doing. is the big deal too, because he keeps you in line with the fact that when you're in a group, in the end, that music is yours. You yeah. have to own it. You have to believe in it. So if we didn't have something, he dug. He may he'd go like, it isn't good. Uh, now, I, don't, I ain't buying that line, man. You know, like the last day of recording two of the, what I believe will be the most important songs on this record. One is already How High. We didn't have the chorus figured out. I called Alex in the morning. I'm like, what are we going to do? We don't have the lyrics, man. Like, it sounds simple, but stringing together eight words that make a statement that doesn't just sound like it's a throwaway statement is one of the hardest things to do. And I had no idea until somebody's pushing you. He's like, well, it's the last day of tracking. We're going into mixing. Remember that? I mean, we were freaking out. And that's, he pushed so hard when he needed to. He was like a great coach. You know, he, he, he just beat the hell out of you to make you like, I remember one take, I was just throwing my jacket down. I, I said, I want a, a guy who makes me sing better than I ever have. I want to cry because he's just kicking my butt so hard because I never had had that. So I was like, we do one take. You'd be like, I'll be like, you're on key, sounded great. Do another one for safety. We'd do two, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. This guy, sometimes that happened, and then sometimes it was 58 takes. You know, it didn't happen often, but he was like, you don't have that, man. You're not enunciating. I don't understand what you're saying. Okay, I don't believe you. You know, and you've got cans on, and you're, like, sitting there, and you're like, God. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. You know, he's bringing this energy out of you, and, and that was a big difference, too. I think spiritually and physically – to just get taken there, you know, get taken to a great place. I don't know. Did you have anything you wanted to add? <clears> well, you... we also got to the hand claps too. We got so there. You know, <laughs> so we did. Yeah, it was <laughs> just a longer process. Longer to process get to the hand yeah, claps. We did get to the hand. Claps. Do you think that you'll work with the producer again after this album, or would you go back to just the DIY method in your living room? <laughs> uh, I would happily go back and work with a producer. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we had a, it was a great experience with Sardi, and and you know when you sort of talk about the year that everybody had last year, the, the one thing that was fortunate for us was the songwriting process mm. um, was near the end or at a place where a guy like Dave could take a song and, and make it better, but the sort of nuts and bolts of all the songs had already been written. So we recorded in uh, COVID like with masks on and everything. It was kind of the beginning of it all. But for all of us, um, it was like the weight off of our shoulders of having the songs near in the writing stage complete uh, before the pandemic started. So uh, I think that it made the year for us a little bit more, uh, took, took a little of the anxiety out of it, I think. Definitely. Well, not only are we here in person, we're actually going to have a live performance from you guys. So I think since we just told the story about how high, we should probably jump to that track. All you right. guys performing that track. We'll be back in a second. We'll talk about the EP, the NXS cover, and I'll be back in just a second. Just a lump of the easy right now. And a 
back. That was awesome. So great. I, I love the fact that when we can have like live performances now on the show, and hopefully we'll all be doing this like on a regular basis coming up. But talk a little bit about the EP side project. Obviously, I told you guys outside. I love the Excess cover. How did it come about? How did it come about? Like picking all the tracks, Cypress Hill, Willie Dixon, you name it. Like, yeah. how did these tracks come about? There's a lot more of them too that we hadn't put out yet. By the way, what haven't you put on it that we can get some uh, scoop on? I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> we'll have to see if they ever okay. hit the light of day. But I, what would happen is, uh, if I may be so bold, because it started, what it started with was Alex and I talking one day, and we had gotten this. You know, you get these. You get these pieces of advice where, uh, like, say, your manager will call you up, and we love our managers. They're fantastic. But they, they have to do their job and make sure that you're doing the stuff you don't want to do. And they're like, we just did the record. So we're like, well, that should be enough. And they're like, eh, we need more content, right? And we're like, content. God, I hate that. As if my job isn't like, hard enough, I got to take a picture content. of me making pasta now. What, what is going on? <laughs> right. And it's like, we were just like, all right, we'll make content, but we got to do something that we dig. So we had a bunch of ideas and we had like sessions with them. Like where it's just, we, one thing we really learned, we busted the bubble of ourselves. Like we found out that if there are great people around you, listen to them, let the, their mind not say the thing that is your thing, but they say something that pushes you to be better at what you do. You know, and that's, that's, that's all we want in life. That's all I want, you know? And so we had done recording a certain way forever and i was like well we alex is sitting in his studio and one of the things i do want to say about this record is alex plays a lot of the guitar on the record and i think one of the reasons you know i play guitar he plays guitar and i think that he came out he, he had so much music inside him that needed to happen and we whereas in the past if you are in a band uh one of I, this new vocal coach i i just went to he he said ego is edging god out of the room mm. edging god out Right. Whether you're religious or not, it's just that's and I loved that. And it's like as an ego guy, as a singer guy, as the guitar player, my natural inclination at first when he's coming up with all this great stuff is like, well, I got to figure out how to play more guitar here. And then I'm like, no, you do not <laughs> let this guy go crazy. And he did. And he wrote some of the best stuff on this record. And so we had done that. And then I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, I want to contribute something. So I just started doing, you know, I went over to his house, got a little, you know, got a nice mic, got a little pack. And I just started doing acoustic demos. And I was like, we were like, we'll set them to tempo, send them over. So basically, he, I would do a vocal take like the old days. I'd send over two of them. And I just said, I'm just going to keep sending you songs. When something speaks to you, do something with it, send it back. So at first Mark and I, Mark and him were both doing it. And then Mark's like, and then Mark's like, nah, you know, I'll do the artwork stuff. And cause he was just, Alex was just crushing this stuff. Right. It's Thanksgiving. He says to me, I've got this thing we did with it. So I'd send over ball and chain, big mom and Thor. And I just listened to, I'm obsessed with old classic from the heart blues. And I saw that her last performance really inspired me. So I sent this thing over to him. It was just like, ball and chain you know i just like <laughs> sent him over this thing and he took that and he turned it into ball and ball and ball and ball and ball and chain right so it's like all, all of a sudden there's something going on the beat drops and i'm like holy smokes so we just i just i'm like i'm just gonna keep sending you shit so at some point i sit down i'm like doing the hot cypress hill it's the funk the blunt i twisted the slam of five beautiful you know i do just being not giving a shit i didn't give a shit and that was what made it good. Yeah. You know, yeah. that retaught me that like being a kid and just double middle fingers in the air to everything except for the music. And he, he just would take it and he'd figure out how to, why don't you tell him what you did? Cause after that it was out, out of my hands and he would take it and that's how it would come back. He, he played all the stuff on that. Mm. I think that needs to be acknowledged, Yeah, you know? So. Well, it was really, it was a, a very COVID-centric project. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of was, done, like everyone did, right? Done via MP3s and WAV files. And, uh, you know, it's a, it is a chance. That's why it's called Side Project, because we're the record company, and what do you name this thing? So it's like, <laughs> Side Project. It's not going to be what you expect. It's going to be different. So I was just said to Chris, you know, sing just anything you like, and um, I'll just kind of like go like Moby on it, you know, or... Yeah take a different approach than we would musically and yeah it's like ball and chain has sort of a, a beat to it the devil inside has a bit of like a tame and paula feel to it um you know and it was really a way for us to exercise just some creativity but also um keep putting out some music for people to hear because you yeah. know we didn't want to just 
kind of die off for way too long of a time. Um, and it was not going to be predictable when music was going to come back and, and all of that. So that's it, where all that was, stemmed from. It was funny to read. We don't usually read comments, you right. know, but sometimes for a laugh, I'm like, okay. You know that mean tweets thing? I think it's on the Tonight Show. <laughs> yeah. You read Kimmel something, thing. just yeah. going to go nuts. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that one, the side project, like reaction was really interesting because you had a ton of positivity and then like, People write like, I don't know about this new direction they're going. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. It's just like something it's a side fun project. To do. It's a side project. <laughs> it also though pre prepared. We knew we had just made this record. We knew it was a step in a new. It, like not a new. It was the natural progression of us growing. Just take the root and expand each direction. Right. Side project was a great way to be like, what's going to happen if we do a Cypress Hill cover? Right. And you know what happened was because we put it up. Um, a couple years ago and then cypress hill actually put it on their instagram uh, of us doing it in a living room and i i just showed up one day i'm like hey guys listen to this and i'm just <laughs> droning and i just sang it through a guitar amp and we recorded it on an iphone this is not the recording that's on the thing and the reaction from the cypress hill fans was so positive with a couple exceptions you know uh, a couple of you know why are hipsters ruining this <laughs> right. you know kind of stuff but uh which by the way if, I, if we're hipsters there ain't that much hip going on out there in the world. But the 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 thing I'll say is, so, you know, what happened? You put out, I want to I get high. Not only did it get a great reaction, we were completely out of our comfort zone. We just embraced it, said, this is us too. You know, we're not just this. We, we like this too. And what happened is Be Real dug it. He sent us a message, you know, on our YouTube. He's just like, hey, good job. Be real, man. Yeah. It ain't real to me. You <laughs> yeah. know, so it's like this guy you grew up idolizing because um, he's so freaking cool. And their beats. Uh, Alex, you have a stack of Cypress Hill records. Always ready to start oh, the yeah, party with that. Under the record player, yeah. just Amazing. in case you got to go quick on the draw <laughs> so and throw on, you know, take a hand risk. on the pump. I'm yeah. going to go out on a limb here and say maybe the next EP of the side project could include Van Halen and Blondie. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, no. Those are I'm good suggestions. Sure. Right. Only because you guys are wearing the shirts. I don't yeah, know. I have but, my uh, Future Island. So oh, Future couple, Island. There you go. Everyone there, has too. a t-shirt on from there. So what are you guys going to perform next for us? We'll do a wild card. All right. Sounds great. Well, hey, guys. The new record's out in October. Play loud. And definitely check you guys out on tour. 32 dates coming up. I think you end in LA, possibly. Uh, we do. Yeah. Start in Milwaukee in the home state of Wisconsin, and we end in LA. So for me, it's like poetic. And uh, it's going to be a rock and roll show. We're expanding this band. we got two guys that are riding shotgun with us, a great keyboard player, another great guitar player. Uh, we've done the trio thing, and it's it's amazing. And when the core of who we are is not going to change. If you like the Play Loud record, you are going to love the Play Loud show. Come out. It's fun rock and roll music that will make you dance. And I'm not saying that because I want to be like Mr. Cool Guy. I'm saying that because I'm going to make sure we Die trying, making that night fun. Definitely. Every night, we're going to give it to you 100%, and we're going to have fun. Because after all this bullshit, we need to have some fun, no and question. we need to be together, and we need to rock and roll, and let's come together. You know, let's be, be one. Hey, man, I was going to say, I love the gratitude, Amen. the humbleness, and the positivity about the band. The band is awesome. Make sure you check out How High, the new single that's out. Check Please. out the tour. I'm excited for you to see you guys in person coming up, and uh, this is awesome. I mean, yeah, thanks, I could man. do this every day, but unfortunately, we, we probably all have stuff to do. But and other uh, than shout that, out would... to Nathan Cox who directed How High. That video, uh, go watch that video. We love that video. It's fun. We were we want we nobody made any money making that video. People lost money making that video. People came out and they threw down and they partied, and it was it was such an explosion of joy for all of us. So everybody out there. Go on to YouTube, check out that play, uh, check out How High. I'm so proud of it. Um, we know that the best thing people can give us is just a consideration for a couple seconds of their time. So when I ask, I know what I'm asking for. I think we're going to deliver. If you like fun, fun rock and roll and you miss those videos where things were fun, Definitely. I want to be in the next Cannonball video, by the way. What's you are. You I want to be. <laughs> You're already in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. And uh, yeah. we'll see you next time. Thank thanks, you, Scott. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hey, how do you do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, 
Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And let's jump now. The band's going to perform a couple songs for us. And here they are live, The Record Company. me in trouble when you call when I give it away there's a price to pay trying to find a better way to spend my day oh hey how are you I'm just fine let's stop pretending all the time it's getting so loud inside me now Seem to find a better way to join the crowd Well, well, well Well, well, well You got me, you got me, you got me You got me, you got me, you got me coming and going You got me, you got me Got me coming and gone out of my head. I'm never looking for a fight, but I'm so tired of being right. Time to say what I want, get to the point. I guess I want a little bit more of what I lost. single high comes with a low well 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 hey, hey. well 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 hey, hey. you got me 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 coming and going you got me you got me, you got me coming and going out of my head. You got me, you got me, you got me coming and going. Got me, you got me, you got me coming and going, coming and going and coming, going and coming and going and coming. You. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. So great to be here with these guys in person. What a difference it makes. If you don't already follow them, follow them, the record company. The show is free. Please make sure to tell a friend, tell a bunch of friends about the show. comes out more or less every Tuesday. Spin Magazine presents Lip Service. Five stars for us on iTunes would be great. Uh, stay safe. See you guys soon. And have uh, fun rock and rolling out there. See you guys. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me. 
fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.